This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and joining me for the first time as Nate takes a well-deserved break, one of our amazing data scientists here at PFF, always doing excellent work in everything he does, including fantasy. He is the great Ben Brown. Ben, thanks for coming on. How's it going, man? Hey, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. I I know. I think if anybody deserves a vacation, it's got to be uh, it's got to be our boy Nathan. Basically, I would say I know it's I know he works harder than uh, everybody, but this is like this is the time, right? I think you know for us in the industry, this is kind of like the last week before training camp news is really going to pick up, and it's going to be you know full go until basically post Super Bowl time at this point. So I'm I'm glad that I can pinch hit basically is all I'm saying to get Nathan a much needed uh, break because he is very much needed. Uh, here come you know next week I would say on through so it's it's gonna be good but you know fantasy football uh, it's here I would say for sure so it is yeah fantasy draft season it, it, yeah Nate definitely well deserved break for him I always like to say he goes uh, he goes beast mode at this point uh, of the year and just like hammers the the website with all kinds of great fantasy content so definitely want to give him a quick breather before we we put him back to work uh, doing the same thing in the weeks ahead as we we build into the fantasy season but definitely excited to get you on here and get your thoughts and and insight as well and and, and mix it up a little bit for this episode because um we are going to go over some of our favorite breakout candidates at the wide receiver position for 2023 um for me I, i'm not gonna lie i leaned heavily into the year two guys this season which i, I don't typically do it just happened to work work out that way this year because I, I really love the 2022 draft class. Um, but luckily Ben is here to bring some more variety to the group with a few of his picks as well. Um, so these are going to be players that are set to kind of outperform their previous seasons uh, and or break onto the scene as a consistent, reliable fantasy option for the entire year. I always enjoy discussing breakouts. I think this will be a lot of fun. So looking forward to getting into this here with Ben. Um, but before we do that, I do want to mention that this episode is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. As a parent, your top priority is always your children's well-being. You want to give them everything they need to grow and thrive both now and in the future. With term life insurance by from Fabric by Gerber Life, help protect your family so their future is secure no matter what happens. Fabric was designed by Parents for Parents to help you get a surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy quickly, often in less than 10 minutes. Life insurance can have a bad rap for being complicated, but Fabric makes it easy to apply with its seamless digital experience. It's all online and on your time. And if you need the extra support, you can access a team of licensed agents who can answer questions along the way. Take steps to help protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Take the 60-second quiz to find out if term life insurance is right for you and apply today in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com PFF. That's meetfabric.com PFF. 
M-E-E-T fabric.com slash PFF. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company and it distributed by Gerber Life Agency LLC using fabric technologies not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. For more information, visit us at meetfabric.com slash PFF. All right, let's get into our breakout wide receivers here. Uh, I should note after I referenced my love for the 22 2022 receiver class that this list does not include guys like Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, who, even though they could potentially improve this season, they already had significant years as rookies and could already be considered to have broken out. So, so to speak, but um, we definitely have plenty of other strong options to consider, including a rookie breakout, but let's get into it here. Talking about one of those class of 2022 guys and start it off with Drake London from the Atlanta Falcons. So, he was the first wide receiver drafted in the 2022 NFL draft, a draft that produced three separate wide receivers who all earned receiving grades above 80 in their rookie years. This is something that hasn't been done ever in the PFF era, dating back to 2006. And London, along with the previously mentioned Wilson and Olave, all got there as rookies. Um, that 80-plus receiving grade mark is important because it does have a promising track record of increased fantasy success going back to uh, 2015, if you look at since the 2015 season, um, and of course excluding last year since we don't have year two data for these guys just yet. But since that time, of the nine rookie wide receivers who earned at least an 80 0.0 receiving grades since 2015. Seven of them went on to improve their fantasy production per game in year two, uh, which was a 78% hit rate. The average increase was 3.3 points per game, which led to an average of above 15 points per game in year two, which is really high-end wide receiver two production uh, at, at worst, really. So London was averaging about 10 and a half points per game as a rookie, which was the lowest of the three 80 plus graded rookie wide receivers and only good for wide receiver 43 in terms of points per game. But even with an unideal quarterback situation in year two, there's no reason he can't improve upon those numbers. Uh, I think, you know, 14 points per game is well within the range of outcomes for him this season. And, and of those three rookie wide receivers last year, he's probably the best value of the three as well going into the fifth round or so. Um, he even earned the highest target rate of the three in 2022, but had incredibly poor luck as far as catchable targets go, ranking 91st among 118 qualifying wide receivers and catchable target rate. Uh, I think it is worth noting that once Desmond Ritter took over at quarterback, we saw a dramatic increase in London's production from uh, weeks 15 to 18. And as the team started uh, to pass the ball more, he went from 9.6 points per game to 14.6. His targets per game went up from 6.1 to 8.8. His catchable target rate increased nearly 10% as well, going from 65.8 to 74.3. And his yards per route went, run went from 1.72 to 3.03. .03. So, you know, look, there, there was no Kyle Pitts in the lineup during that span, and it's a small sample size, but I think there's plenty of reason for op optimism to be excited about London heading into year two, even with an unproven Ritter at quarterback. How, how do you feel about uh, Drake London heading into this season? Ben? Yeah, John, I think you make a ton of good points, especially on Drake London. Like to me, you know, we're looking at things like, you know, like target percentage, target per route run, you know, air yards percentage. And like you said, it was a really you know, run heavy type offense that the Falcons were dealing with here. But like, if you look at all these guys on our list, like Drake London is 
I would say very clearly the guy that from a usage perspective kind of got wide receiver one type numbers. And I think you touched on a lot of those, but we have them basically with like, you know, a 27.6% target percentage uh, targeted on 28.9% of his routes. Um, you know, one of the, only a couple of guys that, you know, were over 30 air yards percentage um, as well. And I think kind of like you said, like the Desmond Ritter thing, um, I think was definitely a boon to him overall. Like you mentioned, the Kyle Pitts injury situation might have played a role in that already. But I think with a slight uptick in, you know, I would say passing volume from this offense, like they're definitely going to be enough. There's going to be enough balls, I would say, to go around to both Kyle Pitts and Drake London when they are healthy. So I don't know. Right now, PFF, you know, from kind of like what we project and what we simulate out, we have them right around 53% pass to run ratio, according to our simulation, which I think is the lowest, you know, in football at this time. But it's still going to be a little bit of an increase from where they were at last year. I think, you know, with Ritter starting 17 games, like, this is an offense that could very much take a step forward. I think they have PFFs like second easiest overall strength of schedule. And, and when you kind of look at some of those crucial weeks, I would say, um, you know, from the Falcons receiver situations, week 15 and week 16, like week 15, they're going to be facing off against, you know, a, a Colts defense and secondary that could easily be the worst in football. And then they have the Chicago bears as well the week after that. So in, in the key crucial playoff time, I do think that could very much be a spot where Drake London is kind of, if he hasn't already very much hitting his stride and if he is getting a similar type of usage to what he saw last year with Desmond Ritter, like he's going to put up, I would say some league winning type performances in week 15 and week 16. So I, I'm all aboard this. It, it, it might start off with a bang. And then I would say kind of slowly lead into, you know, they're buying a lot of ways. So you could have some disappointing weeks, but if you're not drafting, you know, Drake London, I would say, you know, post week seven, week eight, he's very much the guy that I kind of want to be buying into him as buy, it, it, going into his buy and, and potentially setting up for like a league winning type play toward the end of the season. So I, I'm very much with you on the Drake London thing. In some ways, he, you know, he didn't quite have the breakout, like you said, of Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, but I very much think we're going to be talking about him in that same group or tier of receivers, you know, after this 2023 season plays out. Nice. Yeah, I love it. I, I'm excited for him for sure. I mean, like you said, it, the Falcons offense still likely to be a very run heavy, um, if not continue to be the most run heavy uh, right. offense in the league. But hopefully the main thing being that the quality of targets that London sees compared to last year with Mariota um, right. is enough to kind of lift him up, up, up above, um, you know, expectations and, and more closer to what we saw uh, near the end of last season with Desmond Ritter. Uh, at least that's the hope right now. But uh, yeah, Definitely. I love there. that. I love that for sure. But yeah, that's so let's talk about the next guy then. I would say yeah. one, um, we, we both kind of like the you know, this player I would say quite a bit again. Uh, you know, similar, like you said, 2022 receiver, um, first round draft pick. I I, I kind of think in a lot of ways, um, I was more impressed by what Jahan Dotson did in his rookie season than what I was kind of expecting to be. Um, you know, obviously he has similar, you know, in a lot of ways, quarterback concerns with Sam Howell kind of, you know, very, very quickly kind of needing to figure out what he's actually going to be capable of at the NFL level. But, you know, they, they went out and got guys like Eric Biedemi, uh to potentially, you know, make that a pretty smooth process and, and really kind of maximize some of Sam Howell's strengths. And I think if that happens, you know, th there's once again going to be a, a pretty decent uptick in volume of opportunities for guys like Terry McCauley. But I also think with Jahan Dotson very clearly as the number two receiver in this offense, like, he is a guy that, you know, could 
could potentially once again kind of put up some of these league winning type numbers, um, you know, that we're coveting at the wide receiver position, especially when you look at guys in like, you know, the 30s or the 40s of the ADP at the wide receiver position. So I like what Dotson, where Dotson was at last year. Um, you, you know, I think he showed a lot out even in like his first couple of games. He, he didn't quite, I would say, maybe live up to the midseason type expectations, but he was very much there and it is very much, I would say, you know, going to be probably the number two option in this passing offense. So if you do think Sam Howell can potentially be a guy that the Washington Commanders could live with long term, um, I very much think the Jahan Dotson breakout is going to be coming sooner rather than later. It's kind of my expectation, but he, he is, you know, looking at some of the key stats that I would look at, you know, as far as like target percentage, targets per route run, and, and even some of the air yards type stuff and just where he was at with that. Like, it does seem like he did have a high percentage of routes rate routes ran especially when he was healthy but the target volume just wasn't there um but i do think we kind of see maybe a little bit of a fundamental shift in where the commanders were at last season from their run pass splits and where they potentially throw the football i would say a lot more in 2023 so that, i think that's part of the equation in this that you very much have to buy into eric Bieniemy and sam howell um working out well and working out quickly but if that does happen i do think the han dotson is going to be the clear benefactor of all of that working out i would say yeah, I'm with you. And I'm definitely uh, on the Sam Howell truther train here because right. I, I do believe that he has that potential. And, you know, I have him as like one of my breakout quarterbacks too. And I, I think Eric Bieniemy does come in and, and make a difference as well, right? The commanders ranked 24th in the league in pass rate last year. Um, and Dotson was ranked 66th out of 80 qualifying receivers and catchable target rates. So, uh, you know, again, the change at offensive coordinator, um, Sam Howell coming into to potentially be the new starter i think that there's hope there in washington that, that this team will will not only pass more um but that howell will be an upgrade over carson wentz who ranked 34th out of 41 qualifying quarterbacks in passing grade 33rd in turnover worthy play rate through just 11 touchdowns on the year so um yeah again i i like sam howell i think he can be an improvement over wentz and and the heineke combo from last season but you know it, even if he's not or they have to go to jacoby Brissett, something like that i think despite the quarterback play last year dotson still found ways to kind of be efficient with his touches um he ranks sixth among all wide receivers in fantasy points per touch um which allowed him to earn more points per game at, at 10.9 than than even drake london uh you know he missed five games in there but he's going several rounds uh later in, in adp than a guy like drake london who we also like so um assuming he doesn't miss as many games as he did as a rookie i think he should be able to factor into the offense a little bit more um he ranked just fifth on the team last year in total targets but third in targets per game last season so I think the expectation, like you said, is that Dotson will push Curtis Samuel for like the clear wide receiver two on the depth right. chart as long as he's healthy and then kind of emerge in that maybe low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three range for for fantasy points per game as well. So excited about him uh, for this coming season. Yeah, definitely. I I mean, I know Curtis Samuel's in the fold. I think that's a spot where I like I very, I you know, he just like wasn't really all that involved last season, it does seem like maybe it was just kind of like a miss from a free agent standpoint, but I, I just don't see Curtis Samuel, I would say really challenging Jahan Dotson for that number two wide receiver role. And I think, you know, uh, another thing, especially with this Eric, the enemy led offense, like it will be interesting how the tight ends are utilized in a lot of situations, um, but they clearly don't have any, anybody anywhere close to Travis Kelsey. And I do think Logan Thomas is very much, you know, in, in the twilight of his career. So I, I think from that perspective, like, 
they're going to need in some ways, maybe multiple slot option looks. So yeah. maybe there's an opportunity for, you know, both hot dots and then Curtis Samuel to kind of be a little bit more involved than in what the tight ends would need to be in this particular offense. I would say is kind of my uh, projection right now for how, for how those targets are divvied up. Cause even if it, he is, you know, closer to a two B option, you know, uh, you know, as far as like pass catchers, like I don't really see, you know, the, the tight ends and the running backs stealing a ton of targets from the wide receiver position in this offense is, uh, you know, also a really good point, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes makes perfect sense for sure, um, especially considering the personnel there. And then, yeah, the enemy's tendency both towards the tight end and the slot um, after last season. So I like that call. Um Let's go on to another guy here uh, with the Green Bay Packers, and that is Christian Watson. So, look, Aaron Rodgers is gone, um, but but so is Alan Lazard, who led the team in targets last season. So Watson entering year two, another one of those guys, now doing so as the clear-cut wide receiver one in this offense to potentially build on his impressive rookie year. Um, you know, the thing that he that is probably unlikely to improve upon is, is the, those efficiency metrics from last season uh, in the second half of the year. But I think overall volume and, and compiled production from that should definitely see an increase. If, if you look at some of the efficiency metrics from like weeks 10 to 18 with Christian Watson, when he emerged, he was one of the best wide receivers in the entire league. Um, he ranked third in yards per route run at 2.58. He was 11th in yards after the catch per reception at 6.0. Um, he earned a 16.5 average depth of target, which was the fourth highest in the league. Uh, he, all of this led to 137.4 total PPR fantasy points, which ranked ninth among all receivers. So um, it was all an average of oh, 3.6 points per game in PPR over expected as well, which was tied for the second most, most at his position. So really, really strong efficiency metrics from Watson. Like I said, I don't expect that it's it to continue on that high of a level, but I don't think he'll have an issue kind of continuing to earn targets on a weekly basis. Thanks to that kind of speed and explosiveness. And, and there should absolutely be games that he performs over expected as well. After he ranked inside the top five last year in yards after the catch per reception, uh, which is a stable metric for wide receivers year to year. So there's a chance he could continue to add value to those targets in 2023. Obviously, a lot hinges on Jordan Love at quarterback, right? This is, you know, the big question mark. Will he be able to sustain drives and maximize those opportunities for Watson? We just don't know. We don't have nearly enough of a sample size to judge him on it. I, you know, he's obviously not. I don't think he's going to be as accurate as Aaron Rodgers, who um, has been since, you know, uh, since he's been in, in, in the last few seasons, he's been one of the best in the league. But uh Jordan Love with fewer than 100 NFL drop dropbacks worth of experience since he's been drafted. I, I think um, there, there's still a lot of unknowns there. Uh, hopefully, the hope is that he could at least be good enough to keep Watson's fantasy value afloat on a weekly basis, especially with the lack of other rece receiving options on the team at this time. So right. how about you? Any any confidence in Jordan Love and Christian Watson? I mean, so the, I I have a ton of confidence in Christian Watson. I think I, my first hesitation was I I thought maybe Christian Watson in some ways had a breakout last year. It, you know, I I, I may, and obviously he didn't you know fully I would say in a lot of ways, but like he very much arrived from like a touchdown perspective. Mm -hmm. And I know people are going to say that he's going to have some touchdown regression, but and I very much agree that he is probably going to have touchdown regression. But there's like a ton of wiggle room from him from a volume perspective kind of like you said with Alan Lazard no longer in the fold I completely in a lot of ways 
new look offense without Aaron Rodgers in the fold. Like, like if Christian Watson only runs 60% of, you know, if he only plays 60% of snaps this next season and only runs 57.5% of the routes that he did last year, like, yeah, he, he's not going to score as many touchdowns as he did last year, but if he bumps up to where other guys were at that we're gonna, we're talking about here, right? If he gets closer to that 75% snap percentage and he's closer to the 75 to 85% routes run, routes run percentage, like, he is very much going to be, you know, I would say hovering along like a top 10 or top 15 wide receiver just based on that volume alone and based on what he showed on the football field last season. So I, I do think there might be a little bit of negative regression also coming to him from Jordan Love's, you know, the drop down to Jordan Love. But I, I very much think he's a guy that seems like he can win at basically every single level. Um, had a pretty decent A dot, I think, of like 16.7 last year. Um, so, you know, kind of like clearly the highest guy on this list. But also was used in just a lot of, I would say, creative and unique ways, end around bubble screens, those sorts of things. So I think there is very much going to be a focal point of him getting some manufactured targets. And then the deep stuff, I think, is going to come as well. And I think very much if you want to buy into Jordan Love, like arm strength and the and the throws downfield and some of the big play type potential, I still think very much, you know, could come close to what Aaron Rodgers was offering at the end of his career. I think it's going to be a little bit more of like, you know, some of the intermediate stuff and maybe decision-making, you know, changing calls at the line that he's just not going to be anywhere close to from Aaron Rodgers' perspective. And that might, you know, stall out, I would say, the overall offense and, and you know, drop a little bit of like their expectation because they're just not as efficient. But I still very much think some of the big play potential, which is kind of where Christian Watson lived, um, is once again going to be there here in 2023. So I'm very bullish on it. I think if you were choosing, you know, my favorite guy on this list, uh, I very much think it would be Christian Watson because I, I very much still think there's a, a ton of un upside with what he displayed last year um that could be completely unlocked i would say with just a full season of reps nice yeah i love it i mean like you said the potential touchdown regression absolutely makes sense but just overall volume wise and 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 them manufacturing touches for him could be huge uh over an entire year's worth of worth of games right so um right. yeah definitely make an argument that he broke out last year as well but um i do kind of still like him just to increases overall production and overall fantasy finish basically so um that, that's yeah so let's go on to another guy this one not a, a year two guy a, a name that you pulled out here to break out this season who do you like uh in jacksonville yeah, yeah so this might have been uh you know a little bit of cheating on the assignment or whatever because i very much <laughs> think this guy has broken out but i was maybe thinking more of like just based on ADP and stuff, like who do I think is very much going to probably outperform their ADP? And I think a clear example is Telvin Ridley. I think he's like wide receiver 30th in ADP right now. Um, I, I don't have it. I, I should have it in front of me. I actually don't have it directly in front of me, but like he's a guy that I think could easily finish as a top five wide receiver in football. And if you're going from, you know, wide uh, ADP 25th to 30th, all the way up to fifth, like that's a guy that, you know, is a breakout candidate, even though he's done it in years past. But I love the fit offensively, you know, Doug Peterson in his second season with Trevor Lawrence and finally trying finally really, you know, untapping his potential that we all talked about was as far as like this generational type quarterback. Like I think the other three guys on the list, you know, very much have quarterback concerns. The thing about Kelvin Ridley, like he, he, he in some ways has like this perfect complement of coach, and young quarterback that can very much be coming into his own. Yeah, he is, you know, in, in some ways like past his prime. So maybe it's not necessarily a, a play from a dynasty perspective, but at least as far as like greatly exceeding expectations from an ADP standpoint, like there's no 
better player, I would say, this year at current ADP than Calvin Ridley. Um, you know, if, if you expect the the Jags to kind of run away with the AFC South, like they do have a really easy schedule. Maybe that's a reason why the, the passing volume isn't necessarily going to be there. But outside of that, like Ridley, you know, had the high-end wide receiver one type usage in Atlanta. There's no reason that I would say that Zay Jones, um, you know, um, is really going to, I would say, capture any of that, um, you know, usage away from them. I do think, you know, with the, the receiving situation that they had last year, you know, very much, I would say, probably exceeded expectations, but still very much like I think, you know, the, the Zay Joneses and the Christian Kirks of the world are kind of just guys at this point. And Kelvin Ridley is really going to be the differentiator. So I think he's the number one target in this offense right away. And, and when you fold in the Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence situation as well, like and, and that could improve a little bit. I, I just think there's like way too much upside to not at least, you know, buy into some Kelvin Ridley and have him on at least some of your fantasy teams, I would say at this point. Nice. Yeah. I, I know. I, I should start off by saying like, I always find that I'm much lower on Calvin Ridley. I, I don't know why this is probably not a good sign. Me being like the one outlier on people that, that aren't as excited about Calvin Ridley. It's probably a good sign that I could be wrong here. Um, I know he's going in, in that kind of wide receiver 26, 26 ish reigns right now. There's definitely an argument like you just made um, that he could be worth more than that. I, I was kind of looking at it, you know, because I did write him up as somebody that I, I wasn't a crazy about it in that range i just i found like kind of too many red flags in in his last season and and kind of concerned about how he'll look like a year and a half away from football in a totally new offense even though it is a very strong offense and i i I think the the competition for for looks and targets is probably a little better just based on what these guys were able to do last year in the same offense like christian kirk evan ingram even say jones was really strong target earner last season got a look a lot of looks in the end zone as well but just kind of some of the red flags that that stood out to me and maybe i'm more i'm putting more stock into this than is needed after you know hearing your confidence in him but in in 2021 he ranked just 65th in yards per route run at 1.65 right 97th in yards after the catch per reception 79th in receiving grade 109th in in yards per reception and then he was 227th out of 236 in in total fantasy points versus expected with negative 28 and then dead last in fantasy points per game versus uh versus expected at negative 5.6 so i look i i know the falcons offense it wasn't amazing but matt ryan he was he he did still deliver like catchable targets yeah to him at a respectable rate 76 percent so that was where my my main concerns come came in and i'm sure playing in a better offense should definitely help him clean up a lot of those metrics. Um, I just don't know how much more productive he'll be, I guess, but I think you definitely make a good argument for, for, um, for why this could be his best year yet. And I I really can see it going either way. It's just kind of something to consider as like a devil's advocate type of perspective here, I guess. And, and, you know, extra information to folks um, because I just, I always find that I'm the lowest on him and and I, maybe I'm just very wrong there. Right. I mean, I, I I do think it speaks to like the range of potential outcomes for him. Like, I do think in a lot of ways, this 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 Jags offense showed that, you know, they 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 might not necessarily need Kelvin Ridley as much as Kelvin Ridley needs them right now. Right. So they could very much in some ways leave him behind, which I think is kind of your you know concern. And I do think there is a low end range to that. Um, I think like the it, it just probably speaks to a wider distribution than what you have. But I for me, especially in like that you know, wide receiver 25 to 30 range, like you are looking for 
I would say like league winning type upside, right? Like in the mid rounds, like those are the guys you need to hit on that I can finish as a top player at their position. And I do think, you know, even given the red flags and where he kind of finished out at in Atlanta, um, I still think he offers enough of that upside for me to buy into at least, at least with somewhat of my, uh, I would say fantasy portfolio and stuff for sure. So nice. It's good. Yeah. Though. I, I- Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. going here but before we do we do have one more sponsor we want to shout out and that is DraftKings. uh this season DraftKings has lar- launched the largest best ball tournament in DraftKings history right now you could enter into DraftKings best ball tournament for a shot at over 10 million dollars in guaranteed cash prizes make your entry into draft into the draft today sit back relax and enjoy the nfl season without having to worry about managing your roster waiver wires and more to start playing best ball, download the DraftKings app using code PFF, enter DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest, and snake draft your team for the season. Each week, you'll automatically rack up points from all your top scorers, no ads, drops, trades, or I should have played him instead. Teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the $1 million top prize. So what are you waiting for? Head to the DraftKings app and sign up with code PFF and start playing best ball today. Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament only on DraftKings with code PFF. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer. Opt-in required with $10 entry fee. Bonus issued at 10 DraftKings dollars. Agent eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com. go to Traylon Burks of the Tennessee Titans is another one of my picks here. I I know this one maybe doesn't feel as safe as a pick (laughs) as it did when I first wrote this breakout piece a couple (laughs) weeks ago, uh, now that DeAndre Hopkins signed with Tennessee. Uh, But I I don't think it is such a significant hit to Burks that it stops him from having maybe a more impressive year too. Um, Maybe that's not saying all that much because it definitely wasn't the rookie season that I think, um, you know, the Titans, Burks, or fantasy managers expected in 2022. Uh, He dealt with a couple of different injuries and he didn't get the consistent playing time to be a reliable fantasy asset on a weekly basis so he ended up missing six games he finished as the ppr wide receiver 78 which other than jameson williams of course was the lowest of the 2022 first round wide receivers um however i don't think that or or the addition of hopkins is a huge reason to be down on him for 2023 we typically see significant progression from receivers and, and specifically first round receivers from years one to two so even with just three top 24 PPR finishes through his first 11 games as a rookie, I think optimism kind of still exists and, and there's potential for positive regression as well after earning a 73.9 receiving grade as a rookie, but just 8.6 points per game. Um, he did have to play with multiple backup quarterbacks last season as well, which hurt his opportunities to produce. But, you know, it also highlighted an ability to earn targets uh, for him with with a 20.8% target rate on just under 70% of the team's receiving snaps when he was in the lineup. 
Uh, he showcased an ability to add value with the ball in his hands as well. He posted a 5.4 yards after the catch per reception, which was tied for the 12th best mark among all wide receivers last season. And then he ranked 33rd in yards per route run. So uh, again, even with Hopkins coming in, at, at least Robert Woods and, and Austin Hooper are out the two leaders and targets for the Titans last season. I think there should still be Decent opportunity for Burks to emerge as a consistent fantasy producer in Tennessee this season, as we kind of touched on uh, last episode when talking about DeAndre Hopkins. These guys are definitely on on opposite career trajectories at this point with Hopkins on the decline and Burks ascending. So it's at least within the realm of possibilities that Burks could potentially lead this team in targets still if he can stay healthy. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I do. The timing of this one is so bad, right? Because I, I do think <laughs> the, the, the DeAndre Hopkins thing, like it makes so much sense that Tennessee like did go out and actually get him. And it does seem like if they are competitive, like they're going to do a similar thing where, you know, they, they, they kind of like try and decrease variance in a lot of their games, right? And I do think that means very much they're going to be, you know, pounding the rock with Derrick Henry and they're going to keep short and intermediate type routes and, and I know, you know, DeAndre Hopkins isn't Julio Jones. Um, and I know we've seen the retreat veteran wide receiver not work out for Tennessee. But this seems like a spot where his skill set, I think, wouldn't deteriorate as quickly as like a guy like Julio Jones would just in the way in which he's been successful previously. You know, the contested catches over the middle, you know, can still win in, in the intermediate routes. And the concern for me is in a lot of ways, like that's where I believe Traylon Burks can be at the at, at his best. Right. So. I think there was like a maybe a bullish case for Traylon Burks based on volume and the fact that he was injured last year and if he was the focal point. But in a run heavy offense now where it very it, it seems very likely like he won't be, um, it, it's a spot that I just don't want to get involved with or, 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 or get into. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens, I would say, to his ADP. It's not something that I've tracked basically where he was at, you know, in relation before the DeAndre Hopkins signing to now. But I think if that does get too far out of whack, you know, I could see that for the reasons you mentioned why Traylon Burks would maybe be a buy at this point. But I think the Hopkins injury or the Hopkins signing outside of an injury to DeAndre Hopkins will severely limit Burks' upside all season. And, and in an already run heavy, you know, offense that is going to rely heavily on winning in the trenches and defensive football to win games like it's just not a spot that I want to buy into for fantasy, you know, wide receiver performance. So I think I'm out on Traylon Burks. This is the one, you know, uh, this is the one spot. And I'm not just disagreeing with you because you disagreed on the Kelvin Ridley thing. Uh, but I think this is a spot where I would at least be cautious and see, yeah. you know, where he lands at from an ADP perspective um, before really recommending one situation or the other. Because right now I think it's more of like a wait and see approach for me. Uh, and if he drops low enough to the point where he could then turn into a buy, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think it makes sense, especially, you know, DeAndre Hopkins last year, he, he showed that he could still have that wide receiver one upside, right? It, you know, it was a more obviously a more pass heavy offense there in Arizona. So it, it, you're right, it, it could act absolutely hurt Traylon Burks this year in, in Tennessee. They're very much a run heavy team, much like Atlanta, right? So I guess it kind of a way of looking at it is if, you know, Atlanta, if we like a Drake London, if we like a Kyle Pitts in, in the kind of same 
similar style offense, you know, not the greatest quarterback situation. Although I think Ryan Tannehill, as long as he stays healthy, could be, could be solid again this year. I, I still have hope, I guess is, is the point, right? I, I, I don't want to give on up, give up on him just yet. I think there's, there's still potential there. The main thing obviously being that he stays healthy and plays the whole year. And you're right. If that ADP does continue to fall, then that'll be, that'll be a big, uh, point of 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 attack for me as well in in drafts if we can if we can get them at a cheaper cost which should happen uh we'll just give it a little bit more time to see what the trend is right yeah i agree 100 i think that is a really good um take on so basically yeah so we should move on to the next one then we yeah. found disagreement in the last two i'm not sure if we're going to find agreement or not on this one but i think the rookie that i like the most to probably lead the league in passing yards um it is Zay Flowers. I do think, you know, maybe outside of Jordan Addison, who does sound like he might be dealing with a little bit of his own, um, you know, legal ramifications after a night out last night or something. I'm not, I don't have a ton of details on that, but I think if you're looking at like the, the re- rookie to lead the league in receiving yards right now, it's got to be Zay Flowers. I know they brought in Odell Beckham Jr. They do still have Rashad Bateman, but I very clear, I, I very much think that this is a spot where Flowers can kind of take hold of the number one wide receiver spot right away. He is obviously still going to be battling Mark Andrews, but, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., year removed from football, torn ACL injury. In a lot of ways, I would say he's got even more concerns than a guy like Kelvin Ridley does, um, you know, with just where he's going to be at in relation to taking a season off. And, and then Rashad Bateman has just not shown any, I would say, long-term ability to stay on the field. And, and with those two things kind of in the fold and still very much unknown as we head towards training camp, like, I think this is a spot that Flowers could win right away. If he does, you know, the, 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 I would say in a lot of ways, the sky's the limit for him at, from from a prospect perspective. He was a guy that, you know, I, I really liked, from, uh, 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 you know, at the wide receiver position kind of coming into this draft and very much win, I would say, at all three levels. Offers some, um, you, you know, quite a bit of slot opportunities. And I think if you project the Ravens to maybe move just a little bit to a more pass-heavy type approach because they do have some new offensive wide receiver type weapons. And if you do think Todd Monikin is at least going to, you know, try to limit the amount of hits that Lamar Jackson takes, then uh, I think the clear beneficiary is a guy like Zay Flowers. And, and I think, you know, buying into any rookie, um, he, he's the stock that I would definitely want to be buying into. So that's, you know, kind of the, 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 the initial um, idea. I know they kind of have like a difficult starting stretch to do get Indianapolis in week three, um, which should be a really easy matchup, but late by. So maybe like that's that's the reason why maybe he doesn't take hold right away. So, but I definitely think this is a spot where you can kind of monitor, you know, some of the training camp reports. If he is running as the number two, um, you know, or close to number one receiver kind of right away because of the injury stuff. Um, I, I very much think that's a spot that that could just continue on forward. So I, I'd like say Flowers, I think out of any rookie producing this year, you know, he's very much the guy that I would expect to not only outperform his ADP, but could very much be, I would say, kind of the class of the position as we head into their second season as well. Nice. Yeah, I actually really, I, I really love that take. And and um, I'm definitely a fan of Flowers. You know, my my initial gut reaction to him going to the Ravens wasn't necessarily one of excitement, but th- the more I watched him last year and dug through the numbers, the more I, I don't think the landing spot is really that much of a detriment, especially if Todd Munkin is going to get this offense passing more this season, which feels very likely. 
Um, he's probably, you know, the wide receiver from this rookie class who, when I watch him on tape pops a lot more with, with some of the numbers that I pulled leading up to the draft. Um, he's just such a good right. like route runner separator. It was excellent at commanding targets, 25.2% uh, last year as well. I think there's a really good chance he could emerge as wide receiver one for this offense. Like you said, maybe it's in the second half of the year or something like that, but no reason, reason he can't do it right away either. Obviously Rashad Bateman, like you said, dealt with injuries last season. He's missed time before. And Odell Beckham, who hasn't played football in over a year as well, it, it, that that's a big concern. I, you know, I talked about this in, in a recent article this week as well, but um, Odell Beckham, I, he's currently the favorite Ravens wide receiver among ESPN drafters right now. And I think a lot of that maybe has to do with name value more than anything right. uh, with a little bit of uncertainty of what to expect from like a flowers or abatement this season. But I think it's a great opportunity to cash in on kind of that that ambiguity by grabbing one of these other two at a much better value since they they probably have just as good of a chance to emerge, if not better, as Baltimore's wide receiver one as as Odell Beckham, but won't cost nearly as much in a redraft league. So right. I'm in on, on Zay Flowers. I really like him. There we go. We got some agreement as well. So we'll... <laughs> We'll see. I guess we'll see how we finish out the last one sure. um, as well. But I'll let you kick this one off then. All right. So so one more of those uh, year two wide receivers for me. I went with George Pickens. Um, look, Pittsburgh Steelers, there, there was a ton of flash in Pickens rookie season, including that ridiculous one-handed grab on primetime against the Browns. We all saw that. But um, he did only finish the year as the wide receiver 39 in PPR through 17 games, which worked out to be just wide receiver 48 in points per game. Um, now, I will say I'm I'm probably betting on a lot of Steelers offensive players in general this year, just because it seems, um, you know, I, I, or at least I have an expectation that they'll see some natural positive regression as an offense after finishing like near the bottom of the league in offensive touchdowns, despite being a top 12 team and positive EPA per play rate. The, the lack of touchdowns we know obviously crushed Deontay Johnson last year. But but it hurt a lot of Steelers fantasy options, including Kenny Pickett, who I also like as a breakout candidate this season. But that's for another time. I, I think it's important to note that once Pickett took over at quarterback in week four, it was it was George Pickens who led the team in receiving yards with 736, receiving touchdowns, obviously, uh, with four. Um, but receiving first downs as well with 36 average depth of target, 15.3 deep target rate, 32.4%. So a lot of high value targets in there with Pickett um, at the helm. Pickens also led all wide receivers who ran at least 200 routes last year in percentage of targets to come on the quarterback's first read at 91.7%. He's the only player in the NFL to surpass that 90% threshold. So he was clearly a massively designed part of their offense last season. As a rookie, he was able to make himself enough of a viable target uh, to get those passes thrown his way too, which I think is a positive sign for his development and usage heading into year two here. So Overall, I think we should see maybe a much better year for the the Steelers offense in general in 2023, which should also hopefully align with Pickens development and progression in year two for a, a nice breakout season. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I think you bring up a really good point. Like we, we in some ways should expect some positive regression from the Pittsburgh Steelers offensively. And then in a lot of ways, like the, the target competition for where George Pickens was at last year versus this year. Like I personally like a lot better. I know they brought in, you know, kind of like the corpse of Allen Robinson, but 
he, you know, effectively provided nothing last year and, and very much, you know, shouldn't be looked at as a threat, I would say, from George Pickens' perspective. And obviously Deontay Johnson's still in the fold, but like that didn't really impact Pickens either. So the question for me is like kind of how how things play out with like that free air move. I know they've drafted Darnell Washington as well. Like he might not be involved right away, but I think in some ways the the we don't want to say the target competition is going to be as bad as it was last year, but if it is, I think that would be the concern for me, particularly in this offense, because I'm not sure we see, you know, I, we might see the uptick in efficiency, but I don't think we're going to see the uptick in volume that people would project. It does still seem like, you know, this is a Mike Tomlin led team that wants to somewhat win with defense and running the football. And they're still going to have Najee Harris involved in all these other things. So I still think we're going to see, you know, some limited upside type outcomes for George Pickens, unfortunately, because of those reasons. Like, it seems like he, there's just no way outside of injury he could really take the focal point of the, op- the passing offense away from Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. And in a spot where I'm not necessarily buying into the volume improving dramatically as well, like that's, I think, the concern um, for me with George Pickens. But I, I do love, you know, the plays. And kind of like you said, he did flash last year. In some ways, my concern is like he will maybe have a couple of those, you know, marquee catches, but he just might not have enough volume, I would say, to really greatly outperform his ADP, I would say, right now is my expectation. So, yeah, no, that I think that makes sense. And then, you know, you look at Deontay Johnson, I still have him, I think, as, as the wide receiver one in Pittsburgh for sure. I think those targets are just, you know, the amount of targets that he gets right. are just so much more valuable for fantasy, right? And then um, I, I can't remember, right. I should have wrote it down where I actually have George Pickens ranked, but I just overall, I, I'm kind of hoping that the Steelers um, offense does see some improvement. I think Kenny Pickett showed a lot uh, down the stretch last year. He was one of our highest graded, uh, if not the highest graded passing quarterback we had despite like the lack of touchdowns and and fantasy success so I think there's there's room for improvement there as far as turning that into actual viable fantasy production and um and hopefully Pickens will be on the receiving end of that as well as obviously Deontay Johnson going from zero touchdowns to at least one this season and hopefully it happens early in the season as well so people don't uh, don't start getting on him too early but um yeah I, I I'm a fan of the Steelers offense potentially progressing this season but we'll see um in the end like you said how it works out as far as volume and things like that go for george pickens if it's enough to kind of consider him like a weekly viable target or option for fantasy right yeah i i agree and i i think it's just it's it's gonna be a weird spot the steelers offense i do think a lot in a lot of ways like we want to kind of like you said see the see the positive regression from a touchdown perspective with an increased you know volume of efficiency but in some ways their schedule is still you know, kind of difficult. I do think if you yeah. like teams like Baltimore, like it does make it harder to buy into team, you know, like Pittsburgh just in general. Um, because I do think a team like the Cleveland Browns could very much be kind of buying for a playoff spot this year. They are kind of, you know, it, it, as all in as they can kind of be, I would say. And, and I think if they improve, Baltimore's still kind of where they're at, Cincinnati is where they're at. Like there's just a lot of difficult games for the Pittsburgh Steelers and they're kind of going to be duking it out in a lot of ways. So, um, but, but yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. I think we definitely hit on, I would say a few really intriguing names here um, kind of going through our list for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty of, of interesting names there. We'll see. We'll, we'll get what you guys think and obviously just providing the information for you. And then you guys kind of decide on who you like and who, which, like which players you like, if you have other breakout options, obviously there's, everybody has an opinion here. So we can all mm-hmm. um, kind of have our own breakout uh, options heading into the 2023 season that we like for sure. 
But that that's going to do it for, for another episode here of the PFF Fantasy Podcast. Our first multi-episode week as we ramp up for fantasy draft season. Um, I cannot thank you, Ben, enough for coming on with me today uh, to discuss all these breakout options. Love the insight that you brought to the table. It was a pleasure getting to talk to you. So truly, thank you for, for filling in today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, John. And I guess I might as well make this announcement. I mean, they're going to get another dose of me on Monday with Nathan, yes. I think, as you get uh, some much needed time off as well. So I'm already <laughs> looking forward to it. Hopefully I don't annoy the people too much and they can survive at least two episodes with me as we kind of ramp up <laughs> to fantasy season. It's going to be here before we know it. So I can't wait already. Oh, yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm definitely looking forward to listening to you and Nate on Monday. Um, that episode will come out Tuesday. Um, and But before you go, let the good listeners know where they can find you and, and what recent pieces you got up on the site as well. Yeah, definitely. So uh, PFF underscore Ben Brown is my Twitter handle. I do write a lot of betting stuff. So I've been writing, you know, some of the win totals and some of the other, you know, simulation type expectations. Probably think, you know, the, the, the betting market type stuff is going to play out. So you can check all that out. Uh, in planning on doing some player prop pieces and some deep dives into like some of the quarterback position stuff that, you know, PFF is really good. PFS is really good at kind of unearthing. So uh, I got a lot of things planned as we head towards the season. I think it's going to be, you know, really exciting time to be a PFF subscriber. So make sure you're locked in. Uh, you got a lot of cool fantasy tools, you know, heading the people's direction here really quickly as well. Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely check out that. Ben's got a lot of stuff up on the betting side um, as well. Always very helpful there. Uh, for me this week, I, I have my tight end targets to fade and uh, tight ends to target and fade at their current ADP, as well as five wide receivers to fade, five wide receivers to target at their ADP. So so go check out those if you can. Uh, we also greatly appreciate if you haven't already to sign up for the PFF Fantasy YouTube channel uh, and support us there just by hitting subscribe. It would mean a ton to us. And as always, thank you all for tuning in and we will be back early next week. Well, I won't, like we said, um, that'll be Ben and Nate uh, talking fantasy relevant training camp storylines to watch, I believe is the plan. So um, that should be pretty fun. I'm looking forward to that. So until next time, thank you and peace out.